Welcome back to Pancreas Pals, a podcast by diabetics for diabetics. I'm Emily, a writer and editor. And I'm Miriam, a licensed mental health counselor. We're just two women trying to live our best diabetic lives. While it might not always be easy due to the literal highs and lows, it always helps to have a pancreas pal to turn to. Hey guys, Emily here, and this week I am finally getting to chat with two really cool people that I'm so excited to introduce, Stephanie, who is the mother of a type 1 diabetic, and Eden, who is said daughter who is a type 1 diabetic. Welcome, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Um, So I always like to start off, well, first of all, Stephanie, I should say you are one of the few pancreatically capable people we've had on the show. So like you're in great company with my twin sister and a few doctors. Second of all. um, (laughs) Good to know. Yeah, good to know. But you are one of, you're the the only second mother or caretaker of a type 1 diabetic we've had on the show. So I'm so excited to get your perspective on things. Um, But obviously, Eden, none of that should take away from your hard work living with type 1 (laughs) diabetes. And, um, you know, it takes a village. So to kick us off, I always like to start with a diagnosis story, and that can be as involved or not as you'd like. Um, This might be I'd like to start from Eden's perspective, if that's okay, and then get your take. But I know Eden was young, so um, we can kind of go from there. Surely. Okay, so I'm 17 now, and I was diagnosed when I was 10 years old. I was at a sleepaway camp, and unfortunately, while I was there, my type 1 diabetes diagnosis, um, or like my symptoms, um, were seen as being homesick while I was away at sleepaway camp. So finally, after about a week of not feeling good at all, my parents came and picked me up and brought me to a hospital. And I was in such bad shape at the time that the hospital actually had to send me to another hospital where they could um, better treat me. And there I was diagnosed with diabetes and diabetic ketoacidosis. And I was... Gotta love that DKA, right? (laughs) Yeah. And they said I was close to being in a diabetic coma. So, yeah. That is... There's so many levels of things to unpack there. But I want to pivot to Stephanie being from, you know, on the parent side, not being there with Eden during this and relying on others, you know, like any sleepaway camp to care for your child when you're not there. Um, What was it like? Obviously, what were your thoughts when you were on your way to pick her up from the sleepaway camp? Um, well, I'll tell you that we we sent her away a very happy, happy camper. The week before, we had actually visited her on visiting day, where it appeared that Eden had grown taller, maybe a little bit thinner, but I truly thought it was just the summer activities, and we, we were commenting on how tall she got, and she was extremely active, water skiing. There was not one part about her that gave us any pause. We, My husband and I and our son continued to vacation in the area. So um, we received a phone call about five days later that said she was not feeling well. And then it it sort of escalated to a point that my gut instinct said, I'm not going to head home. Uh, we need to turn around and head right back to camp. This Because when they told us that they think it's it's homesickness, I found that hard to believe. And then all the thoughts that entered my mind was that maybe it's... Um, 
you know, the things that you read about, a lake-borne illness, something right. that we just haven't thought about at all. I was completely unprepared when we pulled up to the camp and I waited in the car. My son was sleeping. My husband went to get her. I was absolutely unprepared for what happened when he emerged with my daughter draped over his arms. Oh my um, gosh. In pretty much incapacitated. And, um, you know, I just said, get her to a hospital. I just, I couldn't believe because anything that I was envisioning, this was not it. Right. So we headed to a hospital where the uh, doctor on call said, what have you done to her? He <sighs> thought that we had, you know, you know, we were the parents. So why are we bringing her in, in this state? And uh, we said, we don't know what's happening. Um, anyway, they tested her blood right away and it was 500 and they knew she had diabetes. Um, but he said she's in diabetic ketoacidosis and our hospital is not equipped. Oh my goodness. So then we moved on. Uh, an ambulance um, sped us away to another place where she spent five days in the ICU. And wow. uh, it, was, it was very traumatic. Very traumatic. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, so... Yeah. Yikes. I can't imagine what you were feeling. Uh, well, I can, but I never actually went into full-blown DKA. Um, for those listening that are unfamiliar, DKA is diabetic ketoacidosis, as Stephanie and Eden said, but it's actually a condition uh, in which your body is not receiving enough uh, insulin or getting enough insulin, and it can eventually kind of turn the most basic way to say it is turn your blood acidic in some sort of way. It's much more involved and there are levels and thresholds you usually reach before going into actual DKA, which is what Eden, it sounds like what Eden was feeling and trying to convey to the camp, but that uh, was being not, not necessarily ignored, but let's say um, not prioritized in terms of, you know, I, it's hard because you feel for people. I grew up with anxiety like majorly and it's mm -hmm. something we talk about on Pancreas Pals all the time. Mm -hmm. And um, when Miriam's not having just given birth, she is the co-host and she's a licensed mental health counselor and she can speak to this. Literally, it's her job. But um, there are so many similarities between anxiety and <laughs> the different like ups and downs of diabetes, not let alone the association between the two. So even when you were 10 and like having these issues, I can't imagine. I mean, obviously it's been seven years. So happy almost anniversary, I'm assuming, since it was a summer camp. Um, yes, we were diagnosed August. right around <laughs> the same time. I was May. Um, it was Mar It was in between March and May. It was very much a gray area. All I remember is it was Passover. Um, <laughs> and yeah, eight years ago. So I only have one year on you. But um, what, like when you got that diagnosis, I, again, I know you were a wee, a wee child, if you will, but did you know anyone with type one? Um, yeah, my older cousin has type one and she had it for a while before I was diagnosed, but it was never something that we really talked about. Like I always knew she had it, but every time we were together and she ate she always like putting her insulin super fast just like I do now so it's like easy to not really see what somebody's doing when they have type 1 diabetes and it's easy to just look past it so I didn't know much about it but I did know I didn't know that she had it yeah and Stephanie what were your thoughts when you got that diagnosis like obviously Eden's a child so she's seeing it through a different lens but you, I feel like it's easier to grasp the magnitude of it when you're 
an adult, you know, like this is a hopefully not forever, but it is a forever thing at this moment. That's all we can really conceptualize. I guess it was disbelief in being told that this is the illness that um, that she has based on, you know, what we thought sending her to camp. And then now she has this unbelievable chronic illness that is lifelong. Um, while um, my niece who has diabetes, she was diagnosed with tw- at age 12, but she was in her um, late 20s, I believe, when Eden was diagnosed. She, she's been such a role model and she was a wonderful like mentor to Eden. Um, when I see how she lives her life and she has two children and a wonderful job and you know she lives a really, really active life, ran the marathon in New York City, wow. I thought to myself, I don't want to be as worried as, um, as I can be because I see how like, wonderfully other people uh, can live with this chronic condition. That's such a good point. I mean, for me, my family really only knew some horror stories of people with type 1 where, um, you know, those rare kind of chilling stories where things go awry. So my mom, I know for me, being in my late 20s now, which still makes me cringe thinking about, um, I know for her, like, me having this podcast and talking to people like Miriam and having all these incredible people on my podcast has been a great way for her to kind of realize like, yes, this is a scary chronic illness for Emily, but you know, she's gonna, she's gonna be okay. There are other people that are also living their best lives. So Eden, I know I always start my sentences off with, I know, but here's what I don't know is how are you (laughs) managing your chronic illness in high school? What's that like for you? Um, well, just going back to when I was first diagnosed, I thought that, like, my whole world was going to change, and I thought that, like, my life was going to be horrible right after I was diagnosed, and I was in, like, a really sad state for a little while, but now, as I'm, like, growing older, I don't see it as a bad thing, and I think it's kind of made me who I am today, and just the way that, like, I've become like more of an advocate for myself. I've become braver and like more responsible. And I am from like being able to take care of all this medical stuff on my own. It's, I think, matured me kind of. So right now, I don't see it as like a burden to my life. And it's like, let me just try and. (laughs) figure out my process, my thoughts. Um, No, you're good. I mean, listen, you're 17. Is that right? Yeah. So when I, just to put things in perspective, like I wasn't diagnosed until I was 20 and um, pretty sure podcasts didn't exist when I was 17. Stephanie can feel me on that one, but um, you know, like being able to even, you know, put all of this into perspective and words is huge. Like, I think it's amazing that you're so ready to discuss it. And I know a lot of our listeners, that's something that they struggle with is being able to be open or feel comfortable in owning their chronic illness or even just discussing it in any way, shape or form. And one of the biggest questions we get is how to disclose that you're a type one diabetic when you're meeting new people. If it's something that you feel like you need to share, whether that's like 
living in a dorm or going to a sleepaway camp or meeting a new potential partner for a relationship. So I always have like my long spiel of advice that I give in my short eight years with this disease. But as someone who is, you know, hopefully going off to college soon, I know that's something that is on your mind, at least from some of our conversations Mm -hmm. before this, like, are you going into graduation and all this stuff with that on your mind? Um, I don't really have a problem telling people that I have diabetes. I feel like at this point, I like my whole school knows not as a bad thing, but just everyone knows in class, like if they hear a beep, it's me. And if, if like they hear my, my Dexcom go off, everyone knows I'm going to start eating in class. Cause I have a low, <laughs> um, so I don't, I'm not really too too worried about that. That's that's amazing. And Stephanie, for you and your, you know, like being the parent, how has it been in working with the school and managing her, like helping her manage her illness? Well, I have to say that Eden is so um, self-sufficient. There, um, shortly after she was diagnosed, she no longer wanted to check in with the nurse before every meal. And we, we had to advocate for her to be her own advocate and to sort of break away um, from, from having to check in or be under that umbrella of the nurse. So she really does her um, things, um, you know, very self-sufficiently. She's, she's just a junior now, so we have one more year before college. Right. But, but I'd be really, really interested in her to join uh, or to go to, to go to a college that either has or one where she can um, start a dive. I think it's called Diabetes Connection. I'm not sure if that's the, the name. The CDN but- College yeah. Diabetes Network. Yep. Yes, I think it's so amazing. It was one of the things that we have in our community here, um, where we live in New Jersey, is a group of uh, families that that sort of share um, support and insulin or technology. If someone is stuck, someone might have run out of something, and a message goes out, and it has been you know instrumental for us. We've helped others in the same way. So um, I That's think a support incredible. network like that is amazing. Yep. I love that. Yeah, there's um, – I am I do the DIY loop situation with my Omnipod and my Dexcom, oh. and that community is very much this, like very similar. Everyone's helping each other out. They're helping each other with supplies when needed because, let's face it, we live in the U.S., and supplies are not easily accessible or affordable for so many people. Um, Eden <laughs> – Soak in your parents' insurance while you can. Um, I still am reeling from getting off of mine years ago now at this point. Um, but, you know, there are a lot of things in place for us to, you know, there's insulin saving cards. There's the Affordable Care Act. There, there are things there. So obviously don't freak out about that. Anyone who's listening that I just caused spiral, I'm sorry. But it's, it's interesting that Eden, even when, when she was first diagnosed and she began to hear conversations about how much things cost, she, she, at age 11 and 10, she would say, I need a good job. I need a good job. And I said, I don't want you to worry about Aww. that now. So it, yeah, it forces like a young person to, to really consider things that they shouldn't be thinking of right then. It really, really does. I know for, for me when I, I mean, I wasn't already in journalism school when I was diagnosed, uh, journalists famously do not make a ton of money. Um, but I knew for me that that was, you know, something that I just have to start saving for as soon as I could. And all of my extra money would, you know, kind of go into my, just in case I lose my health insurance fund or something like that. But I do think that being diagnosed, 
So this is a big debate on pancreas pals, which is worse being diagnosed as a child or as an adult. And whoever was diagnosed, like everyone thinks the other is better. So, or maybe not better, but like easier to cope with. I had 20 beautiful years with a working pancreas and I very vividly remember being able to live a quote unquote normal life. Um, But that being said, Miriam, who again is not on this podcast, but I never am not talking about her. uh, She was diagnosed very, very young. She's coming up, I want to say on her 26th anniversary. Um, she is always like, oh, I'm so glad I, I don't know what it's like to not have to bolus for something. And I'm like, the grass is always greener. But one thing I've learned from all these conversations is that it's hard no matter what. And, you know, the community is really what pulls through. So this is a long winded way for me to ask you, Stephanie, what has been kind of like your guiding light in all in this diagnosis and kind of learning how to manage all of this alongside Eden? I guess the main guiding light has been Eden, who has <laughs> surpassed all of our you know expectations for how she was going to handle it. I remember when she was first diagnosed, um, it was August, and someone said, oh, this is great. Um, October is the uh, JDRF walk. And I said, how can I think about that? And this person said, put your energies into it. It is extremely positive um, for Eden. So that was one of the greatest suggestions we had. Um, I remember that I didn't think to ask anyone to join us for the walk. Um, We just went ahead and bought some, got some t-shirts for the family. We figured we would do it and just support Eden, have fun. And one by one, once I alerted people that we were doing it, one by one, I began to get emails from Eden's camp um, friends that said, we want to walk with you. So she had like such a large group of support. So that was really a great, a great thing. Just, um, knowing that you can put your energies into something positive, I would say. I, I, one thing I I just wanted to say about being a caregiver, um, it's not always spoken about, but it was not so easy for me. Um, I feel like I had post-traumatic stress disorder from the, the shock of the diagnosis, the guilt of not being there and all those things that are affiliated because I thought that her diagnosis happened in a very traumatic way. So I suffered like quite a bit as Eden did as well um, after the diagnosis with a, a, a ton of anxiety for both of us. But thankfully that did, um, that did uh, work itself out. That's a really good point to make. Um, you know, also again, like haven't had words are hard, not having had a lot of caregivers on the podcast, it's so easy for us as diabetics to kind of forget or um, not really focus on the effects that the chronic illness has on those around us. And I'm a big proponent, obviously, for anyone listening, like everyone's going through their own struggles. We're just living our best lives. You got to do you, but still think about others, but not let that keep you from, you know, achieving your dreams, blah, blah, blah. But I think that, you know, being a parent, I can't imagine like a horrible situation, right? Like you're not there. You dropped her off for, it's only been a week. Like she shouldn't have looked the way she did or, um, you know, been as in such a critical condition if you just leave your kid for like five days. Like obviously that's not something that anyone would think would happen and not what you hope for. But um, as far as like 
managing that anxiety and how are you now with Eden's numbers and, and the way she manages it? And what are you kind of thinking about for the future? Do you want to be on her Dexcom share? Do you want to, do, um, you know, still check in? Like, have you guys discussed how you're going to manage it moving forward as Eden continues to grow up? We never discussed it. I always assumed I probably, um, at least through college, because my <laughs> husband, he has like sort of a, a later bedtime than I do. So he has always been the late night person. Um, so I, I think it's um, actually been good to tag team and also to check in with Eden at various times or um, have to handle some things in the middle of the night. So I, I don't know how Eden feels because it's true when they go away to college, they might not want um, that kind of accessibility or the parent to have that. I think it's super important. I don't know how Eden feels. <laughs> how do you feel, Eden? I, I think it's still a good idea because even though like my parents always will text me if they see that my blood sugar is lower high, and usually I've already either given myself insulin or eaten food before they have texted me. But I still think for like the rare occasions that I don't see it first, I think it's a good idea. Now a word from one of our sponsors. Hey, Christy, have you heard of U.S. Med Supply? I think I've seen a commercial for it. It's a medical supply company, right? Yeah, but apparently they're the number one distributor for Freestyle Libre Systems nationwide, the number one specialty distributor for Omnipod Dash, and the number one fastest growing tandem distributor nationwide. Plus, they're rated as the number one distributor in Dexcom customer satisfaction surveys. Ooh, sounds like something I need to check out. Do they partner with most insurance companies? Yep, and they'll even help us get set up and work with our insurance companies so we don't have to spend hours on the phone. The actual dream. Right? We and all of our pals can head to usmed.com backslash pals or call 888-721-1516 to sign up now. Already on their website. And now back to the episode. My learned advice is a happy medium. Um, take Take with it what you will. But I, what I did was, is I only allow, I, still completely shared. They could see my graphs if they wanted to check in, but I only gave alerts to my parents if it was an urgent low or below a certain threshold. That way it was a happy medium. And, you know, as anyone who has type one diabetes or is a caregiver or friend, loved one of a type one diabetic can tell you it's those urgent lows that can get serious fast. Whereas you can always check high blood sugar for the most part depends on how long you've been high but high blood sugars at a later time and have that conversation at a later time um my parents definitely saved my life once or twice in college when i slept through some urgent lows um and called me so that sounds dramatic there were two times though that i was like probably in the 40s 30s and i didn't wake up so that it's true you know like things like that happen. We're exhausted. You're studying, what have you, and you fall asleep. Um, So I'm a big proponent of continuing to share through college or until you, you know, you have that conversation with each other. But I, moms always love it when I say that because they're like, yes, please continue to share with me. And I'm like, I feel for both sides because the last thing I need, and this has happened too, is like if I went out, you know, after I turned 21, I went out to like some of the bars in Boston when I was in college and I'd have like one drink, but no one really back then told me what the effects of alcohol could have on your blood sugar. So I'd be like dropping for like 24 hours, like constantly, even from like two drinks. Um, 
And so it was really great. You know, then my mom would be like, are you out drinking? And I'd be like, mom, we both know I, I barely drank. Like, <laughs> that's not what this is. But like, yes, it is the effects of alcohol with my uh, insulin. So I am, which eaten your years from this. So don't, don't, don't need to worry about this yet. But I do find that that's like a big source of questions that we get from college age kids. Um, I'm not here to tell people whether or not they should be drinking. I'm just here to say do it safely. But um, I would just love to hear um, a little bit from Eden about, you know, like what technology do you use? Are you, you know, can you share a little bit about that and your path towards whatever you're, however you're carrying your management, I should say? Sure. Um, I use the Omnipod Dash and Dexcom G6. And I've used both of those for around six and a half years now, I think. So were you on Aerospods before the Dash? Like the original Omnipod? Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. I haven't, I'm still on Aeros because I do the looping. So I'm like, the Dash seems so cool. For those listening who don't know what any of these words are, the Omnipod is an insulin pump that is, for the most part, tubeless. It just has a small, tiny tube that goes in to your skin. And the Dexcom is a continuous glucose monitor that takes the interstitial fluid reading of glucose between the levels of your skin every five minutes and relays that via Bluetooth to your likely phone or another device, um, a handheld device. And that's what we've been talking about, the Dexcom, the share credentials, all that is what's showing semi-real-time, hopefully accurate blood sugar numbers, though I have lots of thoughts on the G6 if anyone ever wants to talk about that and its accuracy. Um, but were you, did you ever do MDI multiple daily injections or were you a pump gal from the beginning? I did the injections for, I did injections and, um, testing my blood sugar multiple times a day for about six months. And I always, right after I was diagnosed, we got the pump and Dexcom. And for some reason I was so scared to put them on. So we waited six months to do it. <laughs> I was so scared too. I waited six months too. That's so funny. Yeah, I, something, I just remember being diagnosed and I was like, I will never wear something on my body like that. Like that makes me want to pass out. I like am so like queasy having to like do that. And then after giving myself so many shots, I was like, I can't do this. <laughs> let's <laughs> let's switch it up a bit. Yeah. But um, I mean- we can both attest to how far technology's come. So there's that little shining light in all of these struggles. Mm-hmm. Uh, how, what are your thoughts, Stephanie, on, you know, like just how the technology has affected management these days? Well, I think it's pretty amazing. I know that um, one of the things that we talk about when, especially when we were raising money for um, JDRF and the walk is, we're raising money for a cure, but I think sometimes the cure is in the form of new technology. It's not a cure, but it's how you manage. And, and I think it's, as, as, a, as a bystander, I do think it's amazing. I do think that the way the technology is today or how Eden uses it um, does sometimes cause people to be shocked that she has diabetes. The same way that she was explaining how her older cousin would just input her information so quickly. Eden does it with such ease. You could think that she's just, um, you know, on the phone. So I, I'm very impressed. I'm really happy. I just think to myself, you know, how did 
people go on before before this, before the before insulin was was available and before the technologies. I'm grateful that if she had to have it, this type one diabetes, that she has it during a time in life where we can manage. Yes, we're. I always say we might not be lucky that we got type one, but we're lucky we got it now. Um, mm-hmm. It's yeah, it's wild. Just even looking at the history of it. Um, and we've had quite a few people on the podcast that have had it for a long time. Like I'm talking about like that had to test, like wait the full minute or go to the hospital to test. We've had like three or four people like, you know, (laughs) original when it was still, you could still live with type one, but it was a completely different story. And my favorite thing is hearing their take on how far it's come because that is truly eye opening. But yeah, I Thank you guys so much for coming on. Thanks for uh, helping helping me get this work. Um, listeners, I had a technology fail, which is probably not a shocker to half of you. But um, I, Eden, I'm so excited to see all that's ahead for you. And um, yeah, I'm just excited for you to go to college. And I know you're still a year away, but like senior year is the best. I could talk your ear off on that. Um, and Stephanie, I'm excited to, to, you know, maybe check back in and see how you guys are doing once, once you guys make that transition. Thank you. I would love to, I really appreciate this. And I, I want to share if I can. Yeah, go ahead. Um, Eden, one of the ways you had asked before how, how she moved forward with her diagnosis, one of the ways she moved forward was by trying to help other people. So she has a Facebook page called Educating with Eden, where she would make small videos uh, about what it feels to be to have anxiety when you have diabetes or what it feels. We were talking about wearing the Dexcom and what it, what it, what it's like to put it on, but what is it like for a young person who's 11 or 12 who, where everyone is trying to you know dress a certain way. And now you have, you know, something right. sticking out of your clothing. So I feel that, um, you know, just opening up the communication, um, what she's done, what you're doing. I think it's really, really wonderful because it normalizes so much and makes people feel not so alone. So I thank you for that. Thank you. Eden, that's so cool. You, you should start off talking about that. You gotta, you gotta be your own uh, self promoter there, but I guess with a with Stephanie as like a literal PR person (laughs) for you (laughs) and in general, you might not need as much help as I would, but that's great. And I mean, Hey, in 10 years, if you want to take over Pancreas Pals, hit me up because <laughs> who knows? But that's so exciting. And it's so true. I find that the video format is so like so great for so many different reasons, but also specifically when it comes to technology, being able to show someone wearing something and talk about it. Um, I love that. Are you still are you still making those, Eden? Yes, I've not been doing as many videos right now because I've been pretty busy with school, but I still have some some content coming. <laughs> oh my god, I can't. I today's youth is just like I'm making myself sound so old and I'm still in my 20s even if barely, but it um you guys are really are going to be the generation that saves us all. I I can feel it. Uh but on that note, is there anything else that, that you wanted to share, Stephanie? I know that we wanted to talk about the diagnosis story and, you know, educating others on getting a diagnosis even. I'm still shook that the hospital that you guys went to sent you to another hospital. Like, who doesn't have – what didn't they have? 
Well, I, I suppose I suppose it was too small of a town, and they sent us to a larger children's hospital with an ICU. Gotcha. Um, so that was that was probably that. And um, the other thing that I wanted to say, though, just going back, is that um, it takes a village, and also moms need to bond together as well, too. So I feel that um, I went, a lot of mothers try to hold it together, and I think that we need to talk about what's happening because it. While the kids look like they're doing amazing if they're diagnosed young, sometimes the parents definitely do need um, that support. That's so true. I can give you my mom's number if you'd like. But also, okay. Sounds good. <laughs> also, again, I was diagnosed at 20, so I think you have probably been – you have a lot more experience with that. Shout out to my mom. I love her. She's always been there for me and is very, very much concerned with my diabetes, but – Again, being 20 when you're diagnosed and living in college a thousand miles away from your parents, um, it kind of makes you take on your care by yourself. But um, yeah, I'm glad I did. But at the same time, I can't imagine being diagnosed at 10. So it's, you know, always a double-edged sword. Grass is always greener. Go ahead. I have a question that people have asked Eden, or I've asked Eden, and, and, and it's, I'm just curious about you too. Um, people have asked, would you take away your diagnosis if you could? And uh, I'm just curious how you feel about that and if it's made you the person you are. I would cure my diabetes. I don't think I would take away the diagnosis, no. I really think it has made me so resilient and um, so compassionate <laughs> that then I was it's again it's hard because i was in college when i was diagnosed so i was still you know forming who i was as a person and you know it's a little bit different than being diagnosed at like 2 or however old miriam was when she was diagnosed or even 10 but the community that we have is amazing and i found lifelong friends within it um do i wish that my body didn't have to go through all that it's gone through Yes. Do, you know, the repercussions for having the disease over time weigh on me anxiety wise? Yes. But as far as personality and just who I am as a member of the community, I feel like, you know, the diabetes community and in general, like it's it's led to my career path, to be quite honest. Like I always knew I was going to be a journalist, but I never thought I'd be a health journalist or like a wellness editor. And here I am like, so up to my eyeballs in health and wellness news and loving it and really feeling like I found my my way in the world um, at a younger age because of it. So I say this now, I'm sure I'll have like, you know, an existential crisis in a week or two, but um, so is the way of COVID these days, but the COVID life that is. Um, but yeah, no, thanks for turning that back on me. No one ever asks me questions. I just overshare. So <laughs> I guess my question for you, I mean, it's hard. Like Eden, do you, are you able to answer that question at this point? Um, to be honest, I don't think I would take it away just because I feel like one, it's made me like, as you said, like a more resilient person, braver and like a better advocate, educator, and all of that, but also because with the technology too, as much as it is such a big part of my life, I feel like it's so normal to me right now that it's not 
such a burden and I feel like it it takes a toll on me but not in a way where I would like wish in a second to have it taken away. I feel that. I think that's very well put. Um, I very much would wish it to be taken away now, just to be clear, that's where I'm at. But maybe, you know, I don't wish that I'd never had it. Um, But yeah, I think that the more time that goes by, the more research that's done in this space and hopefully the more accessible insulin can be for everyone, um, the better life will continue to get for all of us and for our caretakers. So, which are just as important. Um, it, thank you guys so much. I really appreciate it. Sorry if I've been all over the place, but it's been a long day, guys. So thanks for coming on the journey. Thank you for having <laughs> us. This is great. Thank, thank you, you Emily. I am so excited, Eden. Literally hit me up when you're like anytime, but also like I am so excited for you for college. Um, I, don't I will know keep you like, updated. Yeah, keep me updated, especially if you end up in the Boston area. Um, we didn't discuss this at all, so I have no idea what you're thinking, but I just went to Boston University, and I love to tell people about it, so that's where I'm oh. coming from. Um, but yeah, and uh, who knows, maybe we'll be watching some more of Eden's videos from a college campus in a couple of years. Fingers crossed. Um, all right, guys, I'm going to do my little wrap-up spiel, and then, you know, the the famous one that puts everyone to sleep. (laughs) Thank you guys so much for listening. Please follow us on Instagram at pancreas underscore pals on Facebook at pancreas pals PP. Hit us up on our DMS. You can email us at pancreas pals one, two, three at gmail.com. We love hearing from you guys. Love your episode ideas and really just love everyone. Um, Again, thank you, Stephanie and Eden. You can follow, you can find, I should say, Eden's videos. Eden, you want to plug your videos? Yes, it's Educating with Eden on Facebook. I have some videos and I'm hoping to also start a TikTok soon. Oh my gosh. Um, (laughs) If you'd like to do our TikTok, hit me up. We don't have one. I can't work TikTok. (laughs) But... Yeah, so what Eden said, we'll also link to it in our blog post and make sure that we're mentioning it in our descriptions of this episode. So continue, you can continue to hear from Eden and who knows, maybe Stephanie will make a guest appearance one day. Maybe Um, so, thank you. Eden's like, no, (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, Okay, guys, again, thank you. Have a great week, everyone. You too, Emily, thank you. Thank you. Today's episode was brought to you by US Med Supply. Thanks for listening. Hey, Christy, have you heard of U.S. Med Supply? I think I've seen a commercial for it. It's a medical supply company, right? Yeah, but apparently they're the number one distributor for Freestyle Libre Systems nationwide, the number one specialty distributor for Omnipod Dash, and the number one fastest growing tandem distributor nationwide. Plus, they're rated as the number one distributor in Dexcom customer satisfaction surveys. Ooh, sounds like something I need to check out. Do they partner with most insurance companies? Yep, and they'll even help us get set up and work with our insurance companies so we don't have to spend hours on the phone. The actual dream. Right? We and all of our pals can head to usmed.com backslash pals or call 888-721-1516 to sign up now. Already on their website.